and we are recording. It's amazing. You hit a button and it just starts recording. I love it when a plan comes together, y'all. <laughs> this is a plan that has gone through a lot of problems. Many, many, many problems indeed. Oh, good grief. Well, um, all, all problems aside in the world and in, in technology, welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of Engage. I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney, but you probably already knew that, unless this is your first time listening to us, watching us, however you're spying on us. It's kind of creepy if you're doing that. Just saying. Need a, need a life or something. Um, welcome to the show, where we talk about brand new episodes of Star Trek in their original um, run, basically. And today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, Episode 5, Die Trying. With me today, as we talk about this, are Commanders Eric and David. What is up, gang? How y'all doing today? Oh man, today has been frustrating. Really, Eric? (laughs) Today has been one of those days where you're just like, Ah! Really? How'd, how'd that go again? True. Yep. One of those days. <laughs> Where you don't want to wake up? Ah! <laughs> what, was it, what was that politician that did the yaw thing? Oh my is gosh. That, who was that? <laughs> what was that? That was like it what? It doesn't matter anymore. Don't that was like what? 2004 or 8, wasn't it? Are you talking about Howard Dean? Yeah. Howard Dean? That's yeah, that's Howard Dean. There we go. <laughs> I just, I just recently saw a Chappelle doing the rip off of that, like <laughs> somewhere. So popped into mind. Oh man. Well, well, well. Yeah, today um, we were we were playing with technology and trying to have some conversations and podcast land, and I guess like over in like Eric's portion of the station just did not like him and did not want to work at all at all no it did not want to work at all like reinitializing did not work today no no so here we are again we've uh we've we've moved past that and fingers crossed everything's crossed and then some we're hoping it's gonna work today tentatively so um anyway well good to have you guys back um as we as we move into this by the way david how you been man oh pretty good yeah pretty good um not a whole bunch going on here in ohio just lots of wind and poor weather the uh nature took care of all the leaves they are now out of my yard and somewhere else (laughs) so that's nice i get to be i get to continue to be lazy so that's cool that blows enjoy that (laughs) like i mean people don't actually rake leaves that's just something to keep your kids busy outside right well i mean Sure, but th- there are plenty around here. You, you know, you, you put on Mrs. Robinson, and then you just rake your leaves. It's great. <laughs> you just... Uh, now, David, you just went on a little um, adventure with your brother recently, didn't you? No. That is actually this coming. Dad, coming, man. Like, you need to update your outlook or something. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, send out a status message. <laughs> ping me? Can you ping me? Ping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're yeah, but yeah, th- this week we'll be doing some backpacking, so that should be fun. Nice. Getting out in nature. I love I love nature, especially when it's like a greenhouse looking nature thing, in a donut, a donut greenhouse. Guys, that's a floating rainforest. I'm going with a donut greenhouse. It's like potato potato. It's it's like you know um so different fandom. But like you go you go like watch Power Rangers and then like you get like one of those like grandparent presents where it's like a knockoff action figure where instead of it's like being Power Rangers, it's like you know super ninjas or or something like that and like the paint job like you look like a luchador and everything on the action figure. Y'all have any idea what I'm talking about? No. You mainly find these like at dollar stores, by the way, or like. No, I get, I get, I get what you mean, but <laughs> honestly, aren't there like you know so many different iterations of Power Rangers? I guess we can probably, you know, we we should be able to excuse them for that that That's, particular mistake. I just remember like the greatest Power Rangers knockoff I ever saw, and by greatest I mean probably worst. It was the called the tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. What? Like that was the name of the show. I, I kid you not. Like, it lasted for probably one season. It was maybe ten episodes. Tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Can you say that? Can, please tell me you can say that ten times fast, Eric. I could say it ten times, not fast. Well, what good are you? I'm no good. Like that's the story of my life. I'm no good. Dad coming. Oh man, I remember. So I know we're talking about Star Trek. This is, it's like how our, our conversations always start. I know we're talking about Star Trek, but so the um, Power Rangers the movie came out in '95, I want to say, and I want to say 2015 or so. Um, I, I don't know if they're well. No, it's a Texas thing. So Alamo Draft House is this like chain of like. Um, like studio movie grill, like dine-in theater type things. And they'll do like the throwback movies like on like certain weekends and stuff. And then anyways, they had like a a serial, a Saturday morning special or something like that. And they had like a serial bar back when people could actually watch movies together. So they had like all you can eat cereal and like other like breakfast foods. And we went and we watched it. And then at the end of the movie, I kid you not guys, at the end of the movie, like the, the workers, were handing out these action figures and they were like these like knockoff like luchador teenage superhero ranger morpher things and I was like oh my gosh you are really doing this (laughs) hey you know if you want good promotions ticket prices have to go up right that's true but anyway anyway well here we are, and um, I guess we should probably eventually talk about this. Um, this week, with Die Trying, we have been, um, up to this point, been trying to figure out where the heck the Federation is, you know, what happened to them, kind of like what's going on with the member planets uh, that we've known about, that we've... Uh, the sun is right in my, my face, and it's kind of annoying me. 
Um, <laughs> uh, like what, what's been going on with them? And we finally get the big reveal that the Federation is still around. And we get a lot of, of panning and, and whatnot of it. And like, like all episodes of Discovery, there are essentially two plots. Like one is, well, what the heck is going on? And the other one is, what the heck is going on? Is probably the best way to describe this episode. So, um, gents, let's get some general reactions about um, this episode and it's kind of starting off and maybe just some initial ideas about die trying. I, I have a serious question. It might not sound like a serious question, but it is. This episode starts out with Captain's Log. And is this the first time we've ever had a Captain's Log in Star Trek Discovery? I mean, I know we started at the last episode with Medical Officer's Log, and we've done, you know, First Officer's Log or Michael Burnham's Personal Log. But have we ever had a captain's log before this? Because I can't think of one. I'm trying to think if Lorca or Pike did one. I don't think they did. I don't think well, they did Lorca either. couldn't have done one because he was evil. I'll shoot spoilers. Ah! Darn it. Oh! Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was capital E evil. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hear his personal log. It's like, oh, oh, they got me. The audience already figured it out. Oh, no. <laughs> Captain's log. I've deceived them all. I brought on Michael Burnham as well. Don't really know why, but she's here. <laughs> Better delete this later. <laughs> no, I mean, I, that's a serious question because we're so used to Star Trek starting with, you know, Captain's log. We've entered the whatever system... This is our mission and, you know, or station log or whatever. But this is this is the first time we've ever had captain's log right away. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, I like it. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, it is. It is nice. I mean, kind of like what I would what I had commented on last week, you know, kind of feeling a little bit more like a like a standard Star Trek episode. I think I definitely getting into a little bit more of what we sort of I don't know if we're if it's more comfortable or if it's just more familiar but yeah I, I like the uh, the opening with a with a captain's log so I just, I'll tell you ju- just also just also as a little bit of an extension here I need to pseudo apologize a bit to Eric or, or give him give him some props a wee bit as well because I realized something in this I no 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 wait I had an emotion. I had a visceral emotion at one part of this episode that I, I, I was watching it. And I stopped. I was like, dang it. He was right. So there's your tease. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, so, Chase, on to you, buddy. <laughs> I love this. I didn't so know much. how far you wanted to break in here. I mean, I, I can talk about it now if you really want me to. So, with Captain's Logs. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I did a quick little, um, a quick little uh, lookup of it, and apparently this is the third captain's log, uh, but probably the first official captain's log. So first one was um, by Captain Harcourt Fenton Mud, 
in the episode of Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. Okay, that doesn't count. That does not count, right. And then um, in uh, what's past is prologue, acting Captain Saru recording. We are en route to the Terran flagship, having been summoned by Specialist Burnham. Discovery Spore Drive is operational again, thanks to the full recovery of our navigator, Lieutenant Stamets. Yet despite his best efforts, the Lieutenant was unable to save Discovery's mycelium crop. His fear is that his Terran counterpart has already contaminated the network, and if so, the results could be catastrophic. But he was acting. He was pretending. He was a pretender. What a jerk. But yeah, we got our first captain's log in this episode. In earnest. Did we we know that... uh, Did we know who Lorca was at that point? Or had that did that reveal come at the end of that episode? I think I think it had come at the end of that one. Okay, so this is our first true official captain's log. Right, and this one I literally just typed in captain's log USS Discovery, and this took me to Memory Alpha, right? And there are literally only three captain's logs for the USS Discovery. So mud. Acting Captain Saru and Captain Saru. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. <sighs> All right, guys. So we uh, we start this episode, and there's this weird distortion field thing that's going on as we're approaching it, and everyone's kind of freaking the heck out. Saru's trying to calm everyone down, saying we're expected. And then we go through the car wash, and we see all the ships. Did uh, anyone notice two ships in particular that maybe stood out some? Well, I mean, obviously there was the NCC-74656. J. J. Which was the 11th iteration, as Awusakun corrected us, and not the 10th, as Tilly said. Oh, silly Tilly. Silly Tilly. Did you notice any other ships, by the way, that stood out? I didn't notice it, but I read about it later on. It was the USS Nog. That is correct. We had the USS Nog. And um, there were there have been folks that have been petitioning um, Kurtzman and company to, you know, memorialize... Um, Aaron Eisenberg since his death happened and um, there was there was a petition to have like a Nog statue at, at uh, Starfleet <coughs> HQ uh, back in Picard and I guess it was like too far along for that to actually happen and that really wouldn't have made too much sense since I guess Picard would have been uh, like what 15, 20 some odd years since he even became what? Um, what did he end with? Like, was that lieutenant or lieutenant commander? I think Nog was uh, promoted to lieutenant right at the end of Space Nine. That's right, yeah. Yeah, when the Sao Paulo got um, renamed the Defiant, that was around the same time that he got his lieutenant rank. Went, he went from cadet to well, I think ensign, I th- then lieutenant, right? Full lieutenant? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, just lieutenant JG as far as I remember. But I think it happened, he said it was one of Cisco's last orders, promoting him to lieutenant. Well, there we go. Lieutenant... Junior grade. Well done. Mm -hmm. 
Well done. Okay. I mean, we can't beat Beckett Mariner and go right from Ensign up to full Lieutenant in that one episode. You're, you're right. You're right. Only, um, only Boimler can go like in like traditional order, right? From an Ensign to a JG and get on the Titan. I mean, yeah. I want to be on the Titan. I want to go, I want to, you know, make it so in the factor of warp five, six, seven, eight. I mean, personally, but what is that? Is it warp five? <laughs> is it six? Is it seven or is it eight? I mean, it's in sequence. Yeah. You I just have to, it, it, it's like a car, you know, you just, you, you, you get up to it, you know, <laughs> it's like a there, there's a, there's Just a, keep climbing. There's a clutch. That could, that could be, that could be his whole thing. Keep climbing, you know, instead <laughs> of engage or not. <laughs> All right. So when we're when we're approaching, we see was anyone besides me getting like some like Battlestar Galactica vibes whenever we first saw like the little rainforest garden thing? Yeah, the the Astral Queen pleasure ship. Yep. I did. I got I I mean, this is this will be jumping ahead, but I got some serious Battlestar Galactica vibes for something later on that happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definite, definite Battlestar Galactica vibes for something later on. Okay. So, um, we, we're, we're seeing all this stuff, and we're noticing that there's new ship designs, like some organic stuff, some holographic stuff that's going on, and then... Um, I hope I'm not jumping too much, but we we dock and we're we're seeing all these people in like their business suits, which just so happens to be the current era uniform that has like I don't know it's a business suit, and we're greeted by Admiral Vance, who's the CIC of what's left of Starfleet. So, what y'all think of of Admiral Vance, the CIC? Um, played by, um, I believe his name is Odid Fair. Odid Fair. Odid yeah. Fair. I love him, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah people people will instantly recognize him from, uh, he's been a lot of things, but definitely The Mummy is where like you're going to recognize him from. Mm-hmm. And then NCIS. Mm-hmm. Been he's, in a he's, lot he's of a, stuff. He's a great actor. Wasn't he also I, in 24, Eric? Maybe? I think he was. To be continued. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I I liked him. I know a lot of people are probably going to be put off by his immediate um, demeanor and how he's he's standoffish and confrontational. But to me, and just in the same way that a lot of people were put off by uh, Admiral Clancy and Picard. But I, I like his character here. I think he has a, a really good commanding presence, and I can believe that this person is an admiral in charge of Starfleet. Yeah, same. I, I think the... Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and just just drop the, the why why I give a little bit of a prop, you know, props to Eric here, and it, it is a little jumpy, but so interactions are important. And I think for some reason, this crew has completely forgot how a military organization is structured. Um, and that starts with Michael Burnham, 
And I thought her interactions with, with the Admiral, then with Suru, um, up to a point in this episode were, I mean, for Starfleet, rather inappropriate. Um, and in a way, I, I kind of liked how we had the Admiral sort of, you know, check her a bit. You know, what about the burn? I'm not at liberty to talk to you about, you know, top secret stuff or whatever. Um, so, I, re- I really, I really liked her. But I, I mean, Eric, you, you, you've kind of were never exactly on the, on the Michael Burnham train, um, and I, I. <sighs> I don't know. I think off on her own, sort of doing her own thing, at least up to this point, would almost seem a little bit more appropriate for her because she clearly doesn't um, doesn't like playing by the rules at all. And then even the crew's reaction here. You found Starfleet, the thing that you wanted, but apparently you've just forgot how a command structure is. Like the reallocation of... Uh, of, uh, of personnel that happens all the time sometimes it's necessary you know what I mean I understand wanting to keep together and you're always going to get pushed back and so forth but it just seemed like so much trying to you know kick against the pricks proverbially so but I, I, I give you a little bit because to this point I really haven't minded it as much until we sort of hit this episode and particular scene with her and um, in Saru as well that I was just like can you shut up for a second here and just sort of like l- l- let's do the Starfleet thing just for a bit and then you can do your thing? Yeah, um I would say I appreciate the, the apology. Um but um Starfleet is not exactly a military organization. They're somewhat of a they're more of a quasi military organization, but they definitely have a strict command structure. And, uh, yeah, and that's kind of the point. They, there yeah. is a structure to things. And Oh, and, and, and also, just real quick, they apparently don't really remember admirals very well either, because if you expect every admiral to give you a hug, I don't remember too many admiral hugs throughout this whole entire adventure in general, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, I've said it that Michael Burnham cannot be the captain of this ship. Uh, she is not Captain Material, and it had to be Saru. And I know you've pushed back on on Captain Saru, but it couldn't. What we saw before, it couldn't be Michael Burnham. And after this episode, it most definitely Michael Burnham cannot be the captain of this ship. She is clearly not Captain Material, and I would agree. This is something that she does throughout the two plus seasons we've seen her is that she the captain will say something or Saru is the first officer would say something and she'd be like no we can't do that and you can't you can't act that way towards your superior officers if you notice if you go back to um the next generation whenever like data would have like you know to make a counterpoint he'd be like sir perhaps if we did this or might I suggest this alternative? And you notice that he was never, like, super forceful and just write out, no, we can't do that. And Michael Burnham, there's that one point, I know we're jumping ahead, where she's like, if we could just get our hands on this information. 
and Saru was like, get our hands on? Like, what are you doing? I thought by now you would have learned that there is a command structure that we have to follow and there are rules and procedures and everything that you have been through over the course of this show, you should have learned this by now. And it doesn't seem like she's learned it. And maybe her one year, her one year sojourn, you know, free of the Federation (laughs) has like hurt her ability to understand this, but she just doesn't learn. No. No, she doesn't. And I I understand that her and Saru have had like this this journey, like this growth together, right? But and I know that Star Trek gives people chances all the time, probably more than they probably deserve, but I'm just thinking, like, from, like, maybe... We call it gatekeeping in my profession. But, like, maybe from, like, a gatekeeping perspective, like, why her? Like, I know the show is focused on Michael Burnham and that, like, the the first season was really about her redemption from being uh, a mutineer to, you know, once again becoming an officer. Um, Again, getting her, her commission reactivated, basically. But why, why does she warrant being the first officer? Like that's the thing that that's just not jiving with me. Um, like we're seeing we're seeing like a lot of these character flaws. Like not the char- not like Michael Burnham Bur- the character, but like the character of her, of her flaws and. Not that you can't screw up in Star Trek, but it just doesn't make sense. Like, certainly there are other people on the Discovery or outside the Discovery that would warrant being a better choice for for number one of of Discovery with Saru in command. I don't know. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just saying, like, but that was like, like, you know, name, name them because. That brings up, unfortunately, the other point that we had all talked about in the past. It's like, what do we honestly know about the rest of the crew? Like, who is this person? Who is this? Who's taking the con? Who? Well, you know what I I mean? It was interesting in this episode when when Saru, Burnham, and Adira (coughs) beam aboard the, the Starfleet station. He says, Lieutenant Nielsen, you have the con. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Lieutenant Nilsson. I don't know what her job is, but okay, I know who. At least I recognize the person, Lieutenant Nilsson. Right, right. Yeah. now she always gives like the r- really dramatic stare-offs, like with like a scene transition, like. But but then the point is like later <laughs> later on when they go on board the seed ship, um, and Burnham leaves with. Commander Nan, who, you know, she's a commander who has a higher rank than Lieutenant Nilsson, you know, but like, okay, when when Burnham, Commander Nan, and Dr. Culver leave to go on the seed ship, Burnham says, Lieutenant Bryce, you have the con. Why wouldn't he say, Lieutenant Nilsson, you have the con? Isn't there like... A structure where, like, if the captain and the first officer leave the ship, shouldn't the same person be taking over? 
yeah, but see that that people take over. But that that's that's what I was harping on though. The last time we talked about the whole, it's not quite a crew; it's more a family. And we saw that whole deal with with um, uh, Tilly and Stamets and um, uh, uh, Jet Reno. The whole deal where they're down there like circling each other and arguing about you know what to do and. Um, I can't remember our new character's name who came over the ship. What was her name? The 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 lieutenant from the future. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember her name either. Future lieutenant sounds great. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they <laughs> they kind of talk about the relationship and and the dysfunction and everything. It's like that just sort of seems like the thing, the thing. And and even with even with Burnham handing off the con at that point, it was almost like a cookie. It felt like it. Here, here's a cookie enjoy your time at the con to, to me and, and I could be completely wrong or misreading it but it, it just sort of seemed like well we're all having a good time we're you know we're doing a mission this is great here you have a con have a cookie <laughs> <laughs> everyone gets a turn at the con yeah well I think back to um, what was it um, original series so if it wasn't Kirk. It would was generally Spock, and if it wasn't Spock, it was what Sulu. It was Scotty. Was it Scotty? Yeah, Scotty always came up to the bridge to take over anytime Kirk and Spock went on an away mission. Okay, and if but if it wasn't like what, what I'm getting at is there was a very defined like like musical chair thing going on like with these different ships, and nice. I don't know why I'm forgetting about Scotty, but like I just remember like. Sulu jumping up a lot. And then in the movies, even the original series movies, I saw Chekhov getting the con a lot too. But but yeah, like what is what's the order on the discovery? Like is there like a chain of command of like who has the con whenever someone goes to the mess hall or someone you know goes on a away mission or goes to random car wash um Starfleet Command. <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll just also say this though. <laughs> First officer's position's open, and I'm Michael Burnham. So, the reason why I should be first officer, I saved everyone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do it in book report fashion. The next guy's like, uh. Uh, I don't know how to follow I, that. I uh, loaded new subroutines into the fa- fa- phaser. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she has a lot of room to grow in the role of first officer as long as Suru can be a strong captain, which I will also say did happen in this episode. Like, I felt much better about him now than I had in the previous episodes because he did you know he was more strong and assertive uh, with Michael and then even with the Admiral I mean he he had his deference like he should but at the same token he wasn't like outwardly you know showing any sort of you know like cowardice or backing down for any real reason so I, I, I have a lot more hope just based upon this episode and the way he was able to stand on his own. 
it just wasn't apparent to me in the previous episode. So I was glad to see that. Sure. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, what, what was, what was up with them giving so much crap to the holograms trying to do the debriefs? Yeah. Like why, why were they just so confrontational? That made no sense to me. You, a debrief, you just found Starfleet. All right. And you have so much to tell them and they have so much to tell you why yeah why are you being confrontational why is non like non d serial number blah 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 like why wouldn't she be want to tell them what's happened i don't it didn't make sense to me at all so speaking of debriefs um i guess we can keep on trucking the they're basically ordered to basically disband like they're gonna be re they're gonna be moved around as we were talking about and everyone's gonna have to submit to some sort of um, interview interrogation whatever you want to call it um, by various members of of Starfleet to kind of try and substantiate stories and see if they are who they say they are even though the discovery was made to go bye-bye and all this other stuff back in 900 some odd years prior and we have freaking George O being interviewed and David Cronenberg, weird glasses dude, is kind of chilling there. Did y'all know yeah. who David Cronenberg was like when y'all first saw him? Yes, I I, 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 I did. I legitimately I did not. I knew who he was, yeah. <laughs> but I, I had seen him in the preview, you know, for the the preview for this episode and I instantly recognized him from there. So I mean definitely a very famous film director. Yeah, I was reading up on him and he is like in the like the horror thriller kind of vibe. Uh like and he, he really specializes in like like the what horror like physical transformation kind of stuff. And the one that stood out to me the most is The Fly that came out in the 1980s with uh, Jeff Goldblum. And I saw that movie when I was a kid. I had nightmares for weeks. Nightmares for weeks. Yeah. But I, I remember yep. I, I saw, so I saw the, um, quick aside, and um, I think it's Universal Studios in Florida, maybe. Um, one, of the, one of the parks in Florida, they used to have this, um, this movie live action show thing and they would like do it was like a special effects show basically and they had the fly pods from the fly and I remember there was like a big old I think there was like a big old giant like humanoid fly like they saw there was in the movie that came out and that got me kind of interested in seeing the movie and then I saw it and I'm like oh my god I never want to see this again and I had nightmares for weeks so when I found out that David Cronenberg was responsible for that I'm like oh great are we going to have some freaking physical transformation horror stuff on this season of Star Trek Discovery? Because I can't deal if that's the case. Well, I mean, I feel like his presence here is almost a response to um, uh, Werner Herzog's presence in The Mandalorian Season 1. You know, a, a famous film director showing up as a, as a creepy role, like, actor... Right, Werner Herzog was the the client, I believe, was what his character's name was. Okay. Right. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I honestly, that whole, <clears throat> excuse me, that whole sequence of events was, was very, was very interesting because, like, I, I always try and look for what's going to be the arc or arcs of a particular show. Like, what's the one thing we're going to have to follow throughout this whole thing? And, um, we didn't really see the end of that meeting. And we got a very weird Giorgio at the end of this, which I honestly thought was a hologram. I'm just going to drop that there. At first, I was like, did she just hologram herself to escape? Okay, I, this is something I did want to talk about, and I'm probably going to seem like a conspiracy theorist, so this is me putting on my tinfoil hat right now. Um, they mentioned in the interview, um, um, and, it, and it's, it was saying that um, in, a re, in recent history that they found a, um, a chimeric strain at the subatomic level in Terran's stem cells. So... I don't think they mentioned that just to mention that. So my thought is that they know that Giorgio is Taryn and with how she is at the end, I'm kind of curious if David Cronenberg's character did something off screen to her to kind of like, I don't know, reprogram her, so to speak, to do something different to her. Um, and I also have other huh. theories, other ideas on holograms. But what do y'all think about that? So, I mean, she, as soon as those holograms say that to her, she's like, don't try and introduce some biological reason for my nasty behavior. This is just yeah. who we are. I mean, I didn't think much of it other than it was just an interrogation technique to try to rattle her. Um, I have a lot of theories about what happened in their interactions as well that we didn't see and I have a lot of thoughts about what that might mean moving forward um, you know I'm not the biggest theory crafter but I do try and figure things out as well on my own and a lot of the ideas that I've come up with from what could have potentially happened there I don't like the direction that they would be going in yeah uh... I don't know if I have quite as many ideas as you do, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't really think too much of the biological thing. I mean, God, who who knows? But but again, when I when I just saw her standing there and it like she had a quick little reboot moment there, I, I immediately thought hologram like uh, this is your chance to escape. But then her reaction after she was not facing Michael again, kind of like, well, I don't think so. So I, I'm I'm either thinking one of two things. There was something revealed to her about the Terran universe that has, I mean, aside from what he, what we heard he revealed, I think that there's something that, you know, is actually kind of shocking her, or she has just been made an offer to go into whatever, I mean, what are we thinking this guy's in? Well, this, is this a section this, 31 this, of this, this particular time frame? This guy is definitely section 31. I have no doubt yeah. that yeah. section 31 is morphed into something it might not be called section 31 anymore but this guy yeah this guy is definitely some spec ops you know intelligence officer guy and there, there's no doubt in my mind that that's true okay. yeah it, it, and but the only thing is is when he specifically talked about um i don't remember the exact wording but 
basically identifying that there's someone on the crew that she cares for. And I think, I think in some way he already knows who it is. And I think he's probably using some sort of leverage there. But I also do think that she was made an offer to effectively go into the section 31 of this century though. Yeah. Could be wrong. Yeah. We, we've talked about, we know that there's potentially, we, it, possibly this section 31 show following Georgiou. Mm-hmm. And I speculated on the first episode, we have to go back in time, right? Because she has to go back, jo- at least Georgiou has to go back in time to get to this. But maybe this Section 31 show with Georgiou is not happening in the past. You'll, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's happening, happening in this future timeline. Yeah. Yeah. There's, this is the, here's my other like crazy thought. Um, that I was having about that interrogation. Again, they I don't think they just mention it just for the sake of mentioning it. Otherwise, that's just like wasted dialogue. Um, uh, yeah. But I think that maybe there's something else to the whole like chimeric strain stem cell thing. And this one is like a lot crazier than what I just said. But I'm wondering if from, from my biological perspective, with us being 900 some odd years in the future, what if, what if um, Section 31 has done something so sinister to where that they've been able to reprogram Terrans into these interrogation things that we were seeing, um, that Georgiou was like, you know, blinking away basically. Like, what if those are actual human beings that have been reprogrammed into? something less can i say that section 31 has done more sinister stuff so yeah that sounds like a terrible (laughs) storytelling idea you're welcome welcome to discovery um (laughs) (laughs) so so i guess i guess my big thought from this was he he mentioned at one point that the two universes were drifting apart mm-hmm. and there's been no no successful crossovers in 500 years or something like that and i guess my big thought is did the mirror universe somehow cause the burn did were they trying to reestablish some kind of ability to cross over and whatever they were doing ended up you know causing the burn because we saw the Terran Empire they had their their spore drive ship or whatever that was gonna destroy the whole network and it was able to cross back and forth between the two universes so did something that they did over there cause the burn and if that's so I feel like um, that would be a terrible storytelling idea as well because we've seen them use the mirror universe. It's time to move on and come up with something better yeah. and different. L- let me let me just take this a step further then, um, moving a little bit away from mirror universe but still talking about Trek universe stuff. Um, there has been an idea, um, rumor of sorts, kind of making the rounds that CBS All Access, Kurtzman and Company, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are trying to merge the Kelvin timeline with the regular timeline. So thoughts on, I'm, like, let's entertain some ideas maybe about this potentially being the Kelvin timeline instead of like the true prime canon timeline. Do you think so, we crossed over into a Kelvin verse basically? 
and that that's the timeline that we're actually in instead of the prime so we were in the prime universe in seasons one and two but when right. we went to the future they mentioned that when we went through the wormhole we passed through some gravitational thing or whatever like there was that line that is definitely important that's not a throwaway line either um whatever that has to whatever that has to play whether they're traveling through the wormhole caused the burn or like again i don't think that would be a good storytelling idea to try and say oh we crossed over from the prime timeline into the kelvin timeline when we jump to the future but it's not out of the realm of possibility david what do you think man I don't want to. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you can't make me do it either. <laughs> no, I'm 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 good on that. You know, some of my least favorite stories either center around <clears throat> time travel, deja vu, or alternate timelines. There are too many what if things, and I like I like a what if as much as the next person, but sometimes it's just enough. Sometimes you could just be a little bit straighter. I mean, the Mirror Universe episodes in Star Trek were, you know, okay, because they were largely one-offs. You know, you had evil Spock with a beard. Ooh, so spooky. And, you know, that's fun for an episode, but you don't really want to see that for that long. And to be honest, screw the screw the timelines. Just, just, sorry. I just, I don't, I don't really see the point. I don't, I just don't see the point in that, but... I can see anything happening anymore. I, I, I'm going to throw this out here because it's the, it's kind of the, I don't really want to say an elephant in the room, maybe something smaller, like a, like a sloth, like a slow mo moving sloth in the room that it's like, it's slow, but you notice it's there and it's not quite big enough to be a, quite a nuisance yet, but it has claws. Um, is this song, the music through the ages song that everybody knows but nobody knows why and apparently only Michael finds that to be strange right uh, <clears throat> when was the last time we had a song episode I really I was gonna look up that episode and I forgot about it it was the um, <clears throat> that really that super powerful being that was like alone on a planet with his wife but his wife wasn't alive anymore and the song invaded uh, Deanna's uh, head you yeah. remember that episode? Oh, yeah, it next Night it's called. No, no, it's called. No, um, I think the, the episode the you're talking about right? is called the Survivors. Yeah, he, he, the Survivors. He killed all the, all the Who's Knock, not just the men, but the women and yeah. the children. All the Who's Knock. I mean, we've had we've had a few song episodes, um, like the Jadzia, the Jadzia going back to the trill. Like she does it True. because that song gets stuck in her head from the previous yeah. host and you know obviously we had um lessons which was kind of not necessarily put about based on one song but based on music um but man this song like i have a theory right music it's harmonics and dilithium are crystals did this song somehow in some way cause the crystals to explode And it was such a big event, like the it got imprinted on people, and that's how everyone knows it. Like this song is definitely important as well. Oh yeah, for sure. 
for sure. And the the music will reveal the final five Cylons and will reveal the way to Earth. <laughs> like I teased that earlier, I got some Battlestar Galactica vibes, and there's a song that plays a big, real important role to you know reveal the final five and lead the way to Earth. I just I don't necessarily know if some of the some of the themes are <laughs> really clicking so much yet. I'm I'm hoping they I'm I'm hoping that they make good decisions. But we're literally dealing with a whacked out Georgiou and a song. Right now. And seeds. And seeds. I mean the seeds are there. A prion. The, the em- emerald, uh, what was it? The emerald, emerald chain. chain or emerald necklace? Or... The emerald chain. Yeah, the <laughs> emerald chain. <laughs> what was it that Reno calls it? She said, uh, that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah, she says, the emerald chain, she's like, what's that? Is it some kind of, like, new drug or something? God. I'm going to need some food. <laughs> I'm going to need some snacks. Along, along with her, with her nachos and salsa. <laughs> wow, wow. <coughs> oh, and also, just a just a small note, um, just for the the whole trill thing. You know, when when Jedzia gets the Dax symbiote, and then her and Benjamin kind of, kind of you know continue the relationship i mean in a different way but obviously he had you know relationship with the previous host but in this one our admiral didn't want didn't want anything anything to happen uh with, with a deer here it's like uh let's just get this straight let's let's keep it professional okay uh and by the way <clears throat> i need you to you know maybe just don't bring up <laughs> <laughs> it seemed a little, a little bit more to that. It's like, oh, uh, the old tall knew some secrets, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was funny. I was reminded of that episode, the the Maquis, where um, the old friend of Ben Cisco's comes to the station, and he's like, "That's Dax. That woman knows more about me than any man out there, or including my wife." <laughs> 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 and then he and then he says to Cisco, he's like, "You two aren't, you know, like together, oh. like, like what? No." <laughs> Speaking of Adira, uh, it, was it just me? Like, was I just like cracked out? But like, the, Adira shows up with like the other other two, you know, Saru and Burnham, and then there's like one conversation, basically. And then she's just like gone. Like I didn't like she's just gone. Yeah, I David last week said now that we know the way to Earth, what's Adira's role? What's her job? And I was like, that's a good question. <laughs> and she has nothing to do here. Right. She's just gone. She just she shows up. Says they, I'm they, I'm Admiral Senatal. They escort her to medical for a full diagnostic, and then I don't think we ever even see her again. No. Oh, God, she's still being diagnostic. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were supposed to be more advanced than this. (laughs) 
you that's, just so see him like like, fly, like flying off and like stopping a few light years away. It's like, aren't we forgetting someone? <laughs> <laughs> ah, turn around, turn around. <laughs> guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> okay. My friends are coming back, I promise. I'll just stay here. They're going to come back for me. Okay, I do want to see what they do with her though, but there, there, yeah, there was no suggestion of anything that that we're gonna we're gonna have with her. No, like the only then we the lost only, a crew member. Obviously, the thing with the song, she has to play some kind of role with that. Right, that's what I was about to say. Like her only like real contribution, right, was was playing the lullaby at the end of the last episode, and then the the lullaby popping up one more again. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure she'll, I'm sure she'll, I don't know. She can, she can join the, the three amigos, uh, down in the, wherever they work, not apparently in engineering because they're not whatever. I don't even know what they are, but she can join them. They can be the four amigo amigos. She can be D'Artagnan. She can just come in. You know what? It'll be fine. It'll be great. They can be and I meant to say musketeers, not amigos, by the way. I was about to French, say, like, Dustin. Spanish. Sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, like, <laughs> what are the three characters? There's, like, Dust, Dusty. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. L- listen, hey, man. Talk about the three It's already dark. It, it's, it's six o'clock. It's already dark. I don't know what to do anymore with myself. <laughs> Spanish, French. It's all literature, man. They could be the four horsemen. <laughs> Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, and Ned <laughs> were the three those? amigos. Oh, You've never seen the like, three amigos? I, I well, I, I I know what the movie is. I thought you were talking about the Three Musketeers, and I was well, like, Well, David no. said Three Amigos. That's what I, I meant to. I meant Musketeers. <laughs> but then he said D'Artagnan, yeah, and I'm still stuck on Three Amigos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, about losing a crew member. Yeah, so... It's a horrible um, transition for me laughing. No, a horrible transition, but, like... <laughs> the Teakoff. Okay, hey, look! Michael Burnham instantly remembers this seed ship called the Teakoff, and, oh, yeah, this ship is still around after 900 years. <laughs> like, did that not make sense to anybody else? Yeah, and it's the M. I looked it up. It's the the Tikov M. Oh, okay. That's that's kind of crazy to me. Like, NCC one zero six seven M. Okay. I mean, I guess I guess I have an I have a question. So, Saru stays behind um, instead of going on this mission because like this is the guarantee that we'll come back or we'll fulfill our mission and we're not just going to run away. Okay, whatever. But they go and, okay, we need an away team. We get our first officer, our security officer, and a medical officer. That's an away team, right? That That is an away team right there. But I know Discovery comes from the Kirk era where the captain went on every away mission. But... Burnham is the, in charge of the Discovery now. Without the captain, she shouldn't be going on an away mission. 
like this future lieutenant, whatever her name was, should be like, uh, 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 Captain, you can't go on this away mission. Lieutenant I just future. think you, you I, I think you underestimate this whole saved all of you, and she just, you, you got something to say? I could have not saved you specifically. <laughs> But no, I I, I, I I get your point though. I mean, but but that is I mean that that's a Kirk thing. That's that's an original series thing. Captain always has to go down. Yeah, but I mean I'm just so used to the captain not going on an away mission, and like they even shut down Riker in the best of both worlds. He wanted to go get Picard back, and they're like, nope, Riker, you can't go. You can't go. You're in charge. It's irresponsible for yeah. you to go. Yeah. So Shelby went instead. Yeah. Freaking Shelby. Like, like Shelby is not a terrible character. Shelby, I think Shelby is actually, that's a hot take, I guess. We could talk about that some other time. I actually kind of like Shelby. Ooh, hot take. <clears throat> but yeah, the, the Tikka has been around since the mid-23rd century, but it wasn't until the 27th, we find out, that um, each planet in the Federation took turns providing crews to keep watch over all the seeds. Mm. Um, okay, so we beam down. So we're, we're there now. We're, we beam down to the seed ship. We beam down to the Tikov. We got, who do we got? We got Culber. We got Burnham. And Nan. We got, we got Nan, yep. Okay. And we, we find out. I might have gotten lost on this part, but like we beam down there and we find out that this atmosphere is set for non to be able to breathe without her, her apparatus that she, she is normally wearing and she takes it off. And I think her eyes change. Like a lot of things changed about her and she's like real atmosphere, real me. Cool. Great. Good for you. And then shortly thereafter, we see everyone not wearing a breathing apparatus or did I just miss the hardware? I think I think they've got things on their neck. Yeah. That Is that what like, it was? They kind of like yeah. you can see there's like little gas coming out of them. Okay. But they're okay. not like on their faces. They're, they're a little bit further away. Okay. So we get down there and like there's vines all over the, all over the place kind of has like a little bit of like a creepy horror kind of vibe to it. At least it did to me. And did anyone notice like the, the holographic something that was going on with the wall? Well, I think that was the guy. Who was it was the guy? Like, yeah, he was yeah. like in some weird fluxing state. That's that's what I thought it was. Okay, I thought the whole thing was yeah. like a trap when I first saw it. And um, that it was like a prison ship. Like I didn't... Anyway, that's that was my initial thoughts when I first, when I first saw the thing. Um, and then, yeah, we see the hologram of like the family and stuff as we start to explore and we start hearing the music again. And then we find out like the, this whole, I'm probably jumping around, but then we find out that something's going on where like the family's dead, but then where's the caretaker, the doctor, the, the dude, um, that's, that's left taking care of this thing. And that's where we find out like, Oh, he's, he's Scotty right now. Um, Basically, he's he's stuck in a transporter loop, basically due to some cosmic storm that's been taking place. So let's let's science our way out of it. 
and go from there. So this whole thing, I thought it was shot really well. What's that? No, I was about to say, what What did they say? A coronal mass of ejection. It's yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. like a star burp. A star burp? <laughs> that's, what, that's what Reno said, yeah. right? She called it yeah. a star burp? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just lucky it didn't create a double of them, so. Yeah, a transporter accident that copied him. Yeah, we've never seen that happen before. Not once. Not once. Nope, we got it twice, right? We got the follow-up episode. <sighs> yeah, so we're sciencing our way out of it. I like that. We're not we're not fighting our way out of this. We we figure out what's going on. We figure out a way to like fix the guy so he doesn't phase out or whatever. And then we have to talk him down. We have to use our diplomacy skills, and I liked it. I liked that there was no shooting or weapons in this episode. Yeah. And and I love the... You know, I don't know if you, you guys appreciate this, but, you know, we are so used to getting, like, these, like, super fancy formal passwords and authorization codes through most of Star Trek, if not all of Star Trek, and then twice this season, we've got like these two silly authorization codes, right? I, should, I shouldn't say silly, but you know, like more lighthearted, more normal passwords, right? With Booker ship and then with the seed room. <coughs> sticky, yeah. sticky, sticky was one, yep. And then the other password, the other authorization code was the names of his daughters, which is totally something I would do. Not that I have, but it was to it'd be totally something I would do, and like I think mo a lot of parents have done or would do. Um, have they their... tell you your password shouldn't be a name? Well, there you go. Got to make it really fancy though. And we get what was yeah. so so part of part of like what was going on was, I mean, they were treating him like a ghost, right? Like. Um, in a sense, like he, he had unfinished business in a sense, like he couldn't give up the fact that his family was actually dead. And I think that's like the main thing, like with, with ghost, ghost stories is ghosts can't move on because they have all this unfinished business. And, um, I cite Casper, um, 1993 for that. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was 1993. Um, Anyway, I cite Casper on that. 95. 95, my bad. So I cite Casper 1995 for um, my, my proof on needing to, to move on, have your unfinished business taken care of. And um, I liked how it played out. I liked how it played out with this guy and having to realize that he couldn't save his family, but he could save hundreds of thousands of families, of future families, by his willingness to give these seeds so that others could be saved. And the way that he played that, I thought was very well done. Very well done. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was, you know, it was good. Um, it was a good story, you know, semi-quick resolution, but you, you resolved it. Um, the only thing that I was a little sketchy on is we're, we're just letting him die, right? Because he wasn't really given full medical attention because that was the whole point they wanted to bring him back to discovery so he's he's just going to die on the way back home 
was he gonna die on the way back home, or did, or did they beam him back? I thought they beamed him back. No, that's the thing. Is like I, I, I thought he was going along with them back, back to their planet. No, I think Nan stayed behind with him, right? Is that what it was? Right, but she's she's not a doctor, though. I mean, he he didn't really get the because that was the whole thing. Um, uh, Colbert was trying to like, hey, you're gonna die without like treatment. So it's yeah. just. Yeah, he's just gonna die, but Apparently. like, okay. like, like he has now a companion, somebody to like be with him when he dies, and to take over running this ship after he dies. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of seem like a lame way to get rid of Non? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am so confused because Rachel and and Chilary and well, I, I'm sorry, and Cheryl. Like, I was excited because her name got put in the opening credits, like, ap- at, for episode two, right? You know, and I was like, oh, well, we got, we're going to have her as a real character now, not just some side bit player, and we're going to, like, learn more about her. But then, if you watch this episode in the previously on, it was like, what are you doing here? And I'm here because of Arium, and then it shows Arium dying. And I'm like, this whole episode is she's going on the mission, and we're starting to get all this story about her and hear about her backstory and where she comes from. I'm like, this is totally exactly what happened in the episode where Arium died. We knew nothing about her, and now we're getting all this backstory about her, and Arium died. And I was like, as soon as they beamed over to this ship, I was like, ooh, she's not going to make it back to Discovery. She's going to die. And I was like, I didn't understand why they would do that after they just added her to the opening credits. And even now, I really don't understand why they did this to just leave her behind. Unless, unless this is going to come back around and fit back in at the end somehow. They're going to tie this all back in. I really don't I think that I think I'm hopeful that we'll see her again and the reason I say that is based on what we know of of, um, Booker right like Booker was added to the main cast for this season but he's been missing from what this episode and uh, yeah he's he's only been in two episodes so far yeah so we're on this was episode five so yeah he was only in the first two episodes no he was in the first episode and People of Earth. So he wasn't okay, yeah, in the for, second sorry, episode. Sorry. Yeah. Episode one and episode three. There we go. Um, yeah. Freaking episode two. Nobody. Um, but Booker, David Alla, he's booked as as a regular, you know, as a as a as part of the main cast for this season. So he's part of the main cast, but his name's not popping up on all the credits. Right, I mean, he's only been in two of the five. I mean, we're we're just a little over a third of the way through this season right now, and with Rachel, you know, Commander Non, she's been in what was it, episode two, right? People, uh, not people of uh, Far From Home. She was in People of Earth. No, she wasn't in People of Earth. God Almighty. She was in. She was in Far From Home. Okay. And then she was in last week's episode, and then this one. Okay, so she's been in three of the five. Okay. So, with her being in three of the five, 
and her name being on it, I think we will see her again, just by virtue of like my own head canon thought process of of Booker being part of the main cast, but only having been in two episodes. And I think that the whole Barzan thing and what happens is going to... I hope it doesn't get explained away, but I think it is going to be circling back towards the end. I wouldn't expect her to see her in the middle third, so, but probably in the back third of this season. Well, let, let me let me just throw one thing out here. So I'm just on IMDb, so you know this can be misleading as hell anyway. I'm just going to say that for Sonequa Martin-Green, they have her all the episodes listed for this year and actually one for 2021 as being in. However, with Rachel, Die Trying was the last one she's listed in. Okay. I so, mean... I'm not, I'm not saying that maybe they just didn't update everybody, but like going on a couple of these other folks, they have them listed in future episodes, but they just don't have her listed in future episodes. So... Sure. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. It could just be an update thing, but... Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I'd like to see her back. They've got they've got everybody else, you know, Doug Jones, Anthony Rat, Mary Wiseman. Uh, except uh except Philippa. They actually had they, they don't have anything past this particular episode. Well, so it could just be, you know. Yeah, you're right. Updates. Could, yeah. And they did that. I they, I don't really They did that on Picard schedule. too. They did it on Picard too with um with like Brent Spiner. Like, only having him... I mean, he wasn't main cast, but they only listed him for, like, the one episode. But then Brent Spiner popped up in, what, the last two? Last two episodes, yeah. And same thing with Jonathan Frakes. Um, they only... We knew he was going to be in one episode. And yet, he was in two. So anyway, whatever happens, happens. It, it'll be nice to see her again. I don't think she's gone. Um, I think it's gonna, it'd be a major disservice just to kind of <coughs> throw her out the airlock and wish her well, you know. Yeah, I I, I don't understand yes. why you would add her to the main the main opening credits if those if this is all the storyline we were gonna get from her, especially because Detmer, Awusakun, Bryce, and Reese, they're not in the opening credits. Right. Which but like spe- we know they're gonna continue to be here. And speaking of Reese, so Reese took over for uh, Commander Landry, um, who was also in Battlestar Galactica, by the way. And so he took over as tactical officer, and we were kind of joking about this, I think, last time and kind of giving the folks a little bit of a hard time with the fact that we have a tactical officer and a chief of security. So I'm wondering, now that we don't have a chief of security, potentially, do you think Reese will somehow get promoted to chief of security slash ta- chief tactical officer which would make sense well i mean way. i mean i mean reese has been the tactical officer the whole time but like when ash tyler came on board he was in season one he was named the chief of security so i feel like we've always had a separate those two roles have been separate So about that definition of jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could, like, tell me what you do. I mean, we we do joke about it, but we're almost halfway through season three, 
and we don't even know what everyone's job is. That that's a big problem. I have to re- it, it, I have to rely on memory alpha to keep characters straight. Is that that's pretty bad? It's pretty bad that we haven't like even like Stamets. We don't know what his job is. He's spore special spore drive spore bro specialist guy. Tilly is spore drive assistant specialist. <laughs> assistant specialist. <laughs> ensign, ensign assistant specialist to spore department. Wow. Wow. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, have we talked about this seed ship enough here? Cause I think we I honestly think we not have. that much happened. It was you know it was interesting. They they science I mean, they science their way out of it. They diplomacy their way out of it, and you know they got the it. seeds and they got back to save the people. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, it's a fifty-five minute episode, but honestly, I don't really feel like all that much happened. No, it was it wasn't dense. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. Not really. So, well, they, Nan decides to stay, stay back on the ship and she's going to finish the watch, uh, finish the night watch and, um, her watch has not come to an end. <laughs> night <Yep>. gathers. <laughs> my watch <laughs> begins. My watch begins. <laughs> that's a, that's a completely different shift. No, it's not. Totally the same universe. <laughs> Um, so he beamed back and uh, Vance um, is like, good job, gang. I can trust you now. Yeah, I, I, have, I, I, do, I do have something like with that scene where they, they talk to Vance and, um, and, and they're like, he's like, if there's nothing else, and Sir's like, nope, nothing else. And Berm's like, the burn, wait the burn. And She's Saru the looked, audience. She's Saru totally lo- the audience. Saru looks at her like, did I not just tell you to, like, shut up? Like, did I stutter? I mean, he even <laughs> says, he even says, there's that scene immediately after that. He's like, you need to learn how to shut up, Burnham. Like, like, yeah. that was not your place to say anything there. Be quiet. But, but I guess what I'm saying, what I, my bigger point here is the Admiral was like, uh, we have a bunch of theories, but it really doesn't matter what our theories are. We have way more pressing concerns right now. Yeah. And, like, I totally get his point there. Like, this is 120 years old. Like, we have more important things to do right now than try and figure out what caused the burn. And he's like, unless you have new evidence that no one's seen before, like, just move on. And she's like, challenge accepted. And, and honestly, this is a question that I want to pose to you two. When do you think we're going to learn what the cause of the burn is? Do you think it's going to be the last episode? Do you you think it's going to be in this season? Do you think it's going to be the season finale? Like we learned who the red angel was in what episode nine, nine or 10 out of 14. It wasn't the end. Do you think we're going to get in Picard? We learned who who the attack on on um, 
Mars was. Mars was before it was like episode eight. It wasn't like the end. Do you think we're gonna learn what the burn? When do you think we're gonna learn what the burn was? Well, I think that in in. Forgive me. Um, by the way, this episode is not spoiler free. Um, <laughs> um, but like we we heard again. Sorry, Eric and David, but we heard in I think the teaser for next week that there's something about this this lullaby, right? That plays a part. But we like why is it that no one else has heard this? And um. Something to the effect of the Federation can't isn't able to move forward and grow and heal um, until they figure out the mystery of of the burn. So I think part of the healing process that's going on with the Federation and like what we're what we're even talking about right now is going to have to be forced with this narrative that they're pitching, that they're that they're organizing right with with what the burn is or what it isn't. So um, I mean we have 13 episodes. We're a, about a third a little over a third of the way through with this thing so i'd be willing to bet that it's probably going to be in the end of the middle third when we probably find out what the burn is and i don't want it that way um i would i'd rather the burn kind of like just drag out like i'd rather it be like more of like a like maybe we make it like a cliffhanger and have it be like season like have it resolved in season four for crying out loud we already know season four is going to happen we don't need to have everything tidied up and nice and neat at the end of a season to heck with serialization but i do think i do think i do think we are gonna have the whole burn thing kind of done and over with by the time the season ends just to answer your question eric what do you think david um, gosh, I, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of wish I had, I had a solid answer for this. I, I was actually looking at episode titles here. So, and again, God, these things can be so subjective. I know in the Star Wars universe, I've been faked out enough by potential leaks and spoilers and went back and forth. But I, I think... I mean, I, I think that we're, we're going to somehow... I feel like we're going to somehow connect the music to the burn. I still believe that Michael's ultimate Red Angel you know, adventure trip has something to do with it. But there again, I'm also semi-persuaded with this whole Terran thing as well. Like, I feel like there's something to watch out for there. I just don't, I just don't know. I don't think it'll drag out. I think we'll learn at, at, at the, at the very least by the end of the season, what it is, maybe not resolve it, but I'm looking at the final episode name called The Good of the People. That's the penultimate one, though. Yeah. What's Out, that? Outside is the season finale. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah, I was looking at years. So outside. But I'm looking at The Good of the People. And I'm thinking about that as a title name. And then outside. I don't know, man. I think we're going to get an answer to it, though. I, I do, too. I think we're going to get an answer to it before the end of this season. 
I actually think that episode titled The Citadel sounds more like the episode where you get the answer. Um, Maybe. But I, I honestly, I'm kind of already sick of the burn. I'm like, oh, what caused the burn in episode one? In season two, what episode two, what caused the burn? In episode three, what caused the burn? It's like, I don't need every single episode to ask that question, right? You can you can kind of ignore that question for at least one episode. Not every episode has to be about it because I think they're building to something, obviously, but I'm just worried that there's too much, going to be too much build and it's not, it's going to fall flat. It's not going to oh, deliver the way they are expecting it to. If every episode they're like, what caused the burn? By the way, is this truly like top secret? Like, can't they make a requisition to like get the theories from like the computer? You know what I mean? Like, is that is that a big deal? Do you think that would be a big deal? Like, you know, we just have Michael like pouring through notes, you know, pad after pad. Like, oh, this is a theory. This is a theory. This is a theory. Like, is that not going to happen? Like, are we restricting information now? It's possible. I mean, I feel like now at the end of the episode, once Admiral Vance has said, we've accepted you, welcome welcome to Starfleet, but you go where I say when you say, I feel like they should have access to all of the theories at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that the Discovery has been welcomed back with open arms of, of sorts fully to Federation, now we can move forward. And oh, can I actually move back just real quick, just yeah. to harp on something that's that kind of bothers me for some reason? <laughs> Charles Vance. Why does he have to be named that? Like, couldn't we have thought of like a more interesting name for that character? Like a Wusakun? I mean, yeah, we have interesting names. Hey, my name's Charles Vance. What? What? What is? What is up with that? It seems like such an afterthought. Like, we're never going to see this character again. <laughs> Here, here's Charles Vance for one episode. Have fun, Obed. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, here's here's future lieutenant. <laughs> Sorry. That just kind of was... <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's a name, right? Like... <laughs> it's a name. It's a name. <laughs> I mean, have you ever tried to write a story yes. like like fiction? Because I yeah. have. And coming up with names is hard. Like, I always, like, in my, I wrote a novel, like, ten years ago. It's really terrible. No one ever wants to read it. It'll never see the light of day. But, like, I had the hardest time coming up with character names. And I feel like when I did come up with names, they were pretty generic, like Charles Vance. I guess, but I mean, you just like run through some of these. I mean, some of them have rather, you know, pedestrian first names, but like Paul Stamets, you know, Sylvia Tilly, Hugh Colbert, you know, my name is simply Non, Philippa Georgiou, you know, I'm just saying that there are some interesting names here. And then as I just go down the, you know, yeah, Jet Reno, Kate, Kayla Detmer, uh, Charles Vance. Well, there's a good old, there's a good old Midwestern American name if I've ever heard one. Oh, and don't forget about Awusakun. Yeah, Awusakun. <laughs> I mean, even Bryce, it's it's Ronnie. Uh, was it? Uh, well, they just say R A Bryce. Did they break that out? Like, what what does the A stand for? 
<laughs> I don't think Reese and Bryce have first names. I think they're just Reese and Bryce. No. Jen, it's Jen or Jen, Jen, whatever. Oh, Bryce. Jen Reese. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, um, if I'm not paying attention, I get like really confused. I'm like, why do we have a lieutenant general on the Discovery? I get really confused. <laughs> well, we have a we have an admiral slash empress, so That's there true. you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I was looking. I was looking at the um, like a prom- a promotional photo or something for um, I think it was People of Earth, and I saw a caption and it said something like all the character names, and I got to the lieutenant and then Jen Rice, and I was like, Lieutenant General, what? What? <laughs> Why is there a lieutenant? I'm like, oh, oh, maybe if I knew his name better, I wouldn't make that faux pas. Anyway. Hey, Uhura didn't have a first name for 30 years. (laughs) More than 30. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gang, I think we've talked this episode to death, um, apart from, you know, Giorgio having Giorgio having her like weird like catatonic state there at the end uh, which she had a weird catatonic state there at the end um, so that being said we're at the part of the show where we uh, rate it we rate this episode from 1 to 10 1 being a dumpster fire to 10 being absolutely amazing based on what we saw and how it made us feel and just whatever other subjective experience we want to throw at it so that being said Eric, what did you think of this week's episode? How would you rate it? To me, this episode feels like episode three, People of Earth, where it should have been this big moment, going back to Earth. We're finally going back to Earth and seeing what's happened. It should be this big moment that we remember, but it kind of was just like a blah, and it fell flat, and I'm not going to think back at that about that episode like at all. And here, we're reconnecting with the Federation. This should be a big moment, something that we're going to remember, and there's a lot of stuff, but this is kind of like a, really like a blah episode to me. I mean, it's not bad. It it doesn't make me feel any really terrible emotions like last week's episode made me feel, right? Maybe I was a little too hard on, but... I'm not going to really remember a lot from this episode, I don't think. It was, you know, like I said, 55 minutes, but I don't really feel like a lot happened. Yeah, we got we got a captain's log. We got a really good away, away team, right? That group of people was like, that's an away team. And we scienced our way out of it, and we solved our problem. And it, it has a feel of a Star Trek episode, but it has a feel of, of like, episode 11 from the middle of a season of 26 episodes you know yep. one of those like okay that that episode happened oh but i'm not gonna remember it it's and it's probably like a 7.25 maybe 7.3 yeah. somewhere yeah. in that range it's not bad but it's not it's not i'm not gonna remember it yeah and i'll i'll just go ahead and jump in here um when, when I was watching this episode, too, um, I remember feeling pretty excited to, to hear a captain's log. I'm like, ooh, I remember that. That was a thing in Star Trek. Uh, we used to do that, and here we are. We're doing it again. This is great. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, 
And then seeing the Voyager again, the Voyager J, that was cool. Seeing the Nog, that was cool. Seeing, uh, you know, Starfleet uniforms and like what they look like in this time period, which was cool. Um, it looked very much like an Air Force kind of thing, and I'm not, you know, harping on the, on the Air Force by any means, but like the Air Force, they typically have more of a business look than the other branches of the military. And this was like such a business business look to me. Um, and I know we can't necessarily always compare it to what we saw with um, past iterations of Trek. Like we saw like, um, we saw future uniforms, right? With like the relativity, we saw Daniels and stuff like that. You know, and I think Daniels was 31st century, if I'm not mistaken, 30th or 31st century thereabouts. And they were like this weird, like black, like armor wire Borg looking thing to it, basically. Um, but this episode, like I'm with you, Eric, this was kind of a meh episode. Like I left wanting, um, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was very, very much Star Trek. Like let's, let's figure it out. Let's, let's not shoot people. I mean, it's, it's okay to punch people and maybe do some karate. But let's not shoot people if we don't have to. Um, so for me, I'm in the same same boat that you are in terms of a rating. And for me, I am giving this thing a seven and a quarter as well. So David, how about you, man? Yeah, this is actually one of the first episodes here where I actively wanted to go back and watch it. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You are insane. No, not really. I, I, I do understand what you're where you're coming from, but I, I legitimately did like rewatch not not to really get anything more for this but just because I actually genuinely enjoyed the episode so f for me it, it I think this is like a launching point episode for a lot of things that will come and you know those aren't always the greatest and, and I'm not gonna like sit here and give it like some super high inflated score just because you know I enjoyed watching it because I, I, I do have a, an understanding of sort of where it lies. But I forgot a lot more about the rest of this season so far than I did of this. So, to be honest, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm probably slightly higher, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to crack eight territory. So I'd probably be like it. I'm probably thinking more like a seven, eight. Okay. For me. Sure. I it's, will say this. This episode has an 8.0 rating on IMDb, which is the highest of any episode from this season so far. Well, we get the Federation back. And, and one thing I, I do want to point out, and I'm probably, I might get the quote wrong, but I think Burnham is the one that says it at the end, where she's like, I'm realizing that the Federation is not a place, it's a people. I think that's what she says as they're staring off in... Um, in that corridor with her and Saru. And I like the fact that... I, I like that juxtaposition, so to speak, where she's saying that, and we've been so preoccupied about Fed, why isn't the, where's the Federation? Why isn't the Federation in Starfleet you know, on Earth? And we find out that they're, they're working together, right? Like, it's not just like a building on, like, Bajor or wherever. Like, all the ships are coming together to create a home, essentially. And I thought that was that was a cool uh, thing that they did. So, any any closing thoughts before we wrap it up and call it a day? No. 
Okay. Well, uh, David, Eric, thank you so much for joining me again. We'll be back again next week, uh, Lord willing, for um, as we talk about episode six of of uh, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, what did you guys think of this episode? What did you guys think of Die Trying? Uh, did it meet your expectations for um, the Federation when we finally, you know, found them and stuff? Did you enjoy um, the adventure that we went on um, to the the seed ship? Uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you thought um, about this and so far what you think about the episode. Make sure you check us out and get in contact with us by going to trtvpod.com. Check out the Hailing Frequencies tab um, where you can leave a comment um, and whatnot and find out ways to get in contact with us. You can also just email us directly at trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. And finally, if you want to mail something to us, like a, I don't know, a skirt for Commander Eric to wear and run around in, um, which he's very excited to do, by the way, you can send that to the Lone Star Station PO Box 2455, Hazel, Texas 76098. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us and not dying or trying not to die with us today. And as always, may you boldly go. Amen.